Steadfast podcast. This uh, this week we're going to continue our study verse by verse through the scriptures chronologically. And we happen to be up to the point of Job chapter 22. Before we dig into that, um, I'm not really going to get into uh, much for a news topic this week, but um, I do. I will mention briefly. Keep praying for our nation. Praying for our new president as. Uh, some pre- predictable stuff happened this week with executive orders that we'll probably get into at some point here on the podcast. Uh, not this week, but um, there's basically uh, anything that Christianity stands for basically was made as an executive order against Christianity this week. Um, but again, government is not the way that things are going to change. It's going to change by people's hearts being reached by the gospel of Christ. And until hearts are changed, we should, we're not going to expect things, laws, or, or even people to follow what the Bible has to say. Um, one day, I hope, and I, I pray, that abortion laws will be changed, that abortion will be made illegal. Because uh, abortion is wrong. Uh, period. And the scriptures are very clear on that. But, it is possible that the law ends up never being changed on the books, but at the same time, babies not end up being killed. How can that happen? That can happen by revival. Okay, when people's hearts change toward truth, towards the scriptures, then the supply and demand. I mean, Planned Parenthood will have to go out of business because there'll be no business for them because we'll have revival in the land. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Uh, and of course, I, I will vote biblically always. And, and we pray that laws do change. But the real change has to happen in our hearts. So we're going to be in the book of Job, chapter 22, where we left off. So a little recap here. Job has had his world turned upside down in an instant. He's lost everything, humanly speaking. And at this point, he's in a great, intense, extreme pain. And on top of that, his friends come, or if you want to call them friends, the Hebrew literally says associates, but they come and they believe that he must have done something wrong. After all, Bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people is their philosophy. And I think it is the philosophy uh, for everybody. But it's not the biblical philosophy, and that's not how God works. It takes away sovereignty. But they believe he's done something wrong, so 
because this couldn't have happened to him if he hadn't. That wasn't the case at all. In reality, neither Job nor his friends understood why this was happening. Now, we do because we know what happened behind the scenes. We have that in the scripture. We know what happened between God and Satan. And we know that God here is just teach, he's teaching the angels a lesson, and all the world is watching behind the scenes, along with all of us today are learning from it also. And the lesson is that Job didn't just serve God because he blessed him. He served and worshiped God, rather, because he was God, and he's worthy of it. Whether he blesses him or not, he is God. Now, who God is was reason enough. And that should be the same for us also. Is God, does God bless us? Absolutely. He's good, very good to us. We still live on this planet, though. And, and sometimes things are hard. We know in the future there will be no more pain, no more tears. And he's still good to us now. But even if we're going through a season, a rough patch, he's still good. But even if we're not blessed, he's still worthy of our praise. So at this point, we're still going back and forth between Job and his so-called friends or associates. And we are up to the third round of this conversation. So let's dig in. And uh, again, I translated um, from the Hebrew to English. It says in verse 1, Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, Can a master, uh, in other words, can a man, can a man be profitable to El, be profitable to God? Though he who is intelligent may be profitable to himself. So in other words, Eliphaz is thinking, hey, Job, you are thinking very highly of yourself. You think too highly of yourself. Job, you're not more special than others. You're not so special that you, you get some kind of different rules. Can you be profitable to God, Job? And the answer is only if he wants us to be, right? And he does. He wants us to be. He has called believers unto good works. That is something he calls us to. But can we be profitable in the sense of adding anything to God? The answer is no. He's God. We're not. There's nothing we can do that's going to just all of a sudden add unto him. The very best that I can give in my own strength amounts to nothing before him. There's nothing that I can do for God. God is the one that is profitable for his purposes, for his kingdoms. And sometimes he's profitable through me, through you. I hope all the time through me. But I know that I'm not perfect in being his instrument. You see, God, he has a perfect will for my life and for your life. And in his perfect will, it is, it is to bring forth good works. And that is the will we want to be in, his perfect will. Sometimes, though, we are in what is called his permitted will. That's not the best for us. And if we actually are involved in sin, it, well, it's not even his permitted will. It, it's a, um, it's a, if we're involved in something that goes against scripture, 
We're not in his will at all, but we're rather in the flesh, which is our own will. And that never turns out very good. Because the scripture is clear, in my flesh dwells no good thing. We could, in our flesh, do something like Cain and say, here you go, God. Look what I've done in all my labor. That's why God didn't accept this offering. God said to Cain, I don't, I don't accept that. No, Abel's offering, he accepted. Not because of what it was that Abel offered, but rather because of the object of whom it was for. It was the heart. Abel's offering was all about God, saying, you are worthy of my praise. This is the best I can offer up to you. And you are the one that made this happen, so I can offer this up to you. You're the one who did it, God. It was an offering of love. You see, we can be of no profit to God on our own. Only God's work can be profitable to God's purposes. He often chooses to use us to do so. And the amazing thing is that when God uses us to be profitable to his purpose and we follow in obedience, the amazing thing is he gives us a reward for doing so. We had almost nothing to do with it. God does everything. Uh, basically, our part is just to be a willing participant in this great adventure. So here's the deal. God gives you the calling. And then he gives you the ability to complete the calling. He gives you the strength to finish what he's calling you to do. And then you get eternal rewards for it. That's a great deal. He does all the work, and we get the rewards. That is our loving God. What an amazing and generous God he is. And if we fail to be in his perfect will, which happens with all of us, God still will accomplish his purposes. He did it with Jonah. He did it with Peter. He did it with Paul. He does it with us all that are willing participants. I mean, he even accomplishes the purpose with those that aren't willing participants. I mean, he uses those that are the wicked, the evil. And he turns their evil, the purposes of evil, he turns them for good. He turns their purposes of judgment. Uh, and I believe that maybe is what's going to happen to our nation. He sometimes uses evil people for the purpose of judging somebody or judging a nation or correction, or even sometimes he uses them for the purpose of grace. See, God is sovereign. He can do what he wants, when he wants, for whatever reason he wants. And we know his reasons are good toward the believer, even if we might not see it, and we know it's good toward the kingdom. And I believe maybe God right now is using that kind of Babylonian-type judgment in America. Not sure on that. We'll see what happens. But I am sure that America has lost its first love. Our first love. No doubt, I believe America's first love is the love of Christ. It's what we were founded upon. And we've turned ourselves over to a reprobate mind. It's allowed us to because we've made that decision. When we call evil good and good evil, I mean, that's our nation today. That's much of our world today. But whether some evil um, influence is in charge of our government, our school systems, our families' situation, and different things that happen. Know this, God's purposes will be accomplished. So, Eliphaz is thinking, hey, Job, you think too highly of yourself. You think you can profit God? 
It continues on in verse 3. It says, Is it any delight to who suffices? That's El Shaddai, the Almighty. Is it any delight to the Almighty that you are righteous? Or is it gain that you make your ways flawless? Is it because of your fear that he corrects you and enters into judgment with you? So Eliphaz is saying, is it any pleasure that he is righteous to the Lord? Uh, um, of course, we know, yes, it is God's pleasure that, that, that we're righteous. Um, and that, actually, this is why the whole thing, the whole test has taken place with Job, right? Job is righteous. And this is what he's proving out. God is pleased with Job. And you see the sarcasm here by Eliphaz. Um, he's saying, Job, you're righteous. Yeah, you're righteous. Really righteous. That's why he's judging you. Oh, okay, Job. Okay, Job. See the sarcasm behind it. Verse 5 it says, Is not your evil much? And your depravities without end. For you have taken pledges from your brother gratuitously and stripped the naked of their garments. So he's starting to, and we'll see this continue, starting to accuse Job of loaning to someone, okay, as a pledge, and taking his clothes as collateral. They would do that, right? If you didn't have anything to pay, okay, they might take clothes as collateral. It's not the right practice. It's not something God would have you to do. They did that in those days. And he's accusing Job of loaning someone to take his clothes as collateral to make sure it will be paid back. And uh, here's the deal. In those times, if you took a man's cloak, his coat, you had to give it back by night because it was actually the, the coat that they wore was actually their blanket as well. So what, what he's accusing, he's accusing Job of being harsh to the poor here. No proof, no evidence. That's not the case. But he's making these accusations. Verse 7. You have not given the faint one water to drink. And you have withheld bread from the hungry. To the man of arm, the one with a strong arm, he had the land. And the reputed dwelt in it. Um, the strong-armed man. It's accusing Job of using strong-armed tactics. Okay, you you have the means, and you, you you're using these tactics to get what you want. That's what you did, Job. You did it to have the earth. Right? You took advantage of uh, people to live in luxury, have the earth. Verse nine says, "You have sent widows away empty-handed, and the arms of the orphans were crushed." And these are all lies here. You see, none of the friends, including Eliphaz here, had any substance to pull out against Job. So they're imagining these things, throwing out things as possibilities or, and, 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 and actually stating them as facts. This is what you did. They don't have no substance, substance no, nothing they can prove. We call these things today conspiracy theories, right? Job was actually great with those in the community. It says so right in the scripture here. Um, they they can't prove anything here but in their mind. They have to come up with something. You had to do something wrong or you wouldn't be this way, Job. Verse 10. says, therefore, snares are round about you and sudden fear troubles you. Or darkness so that you cannot see and a, and a concourse of water covers you. 
is not, Eloah, is not God in the loftiness of the heaven? And see the principal stars, how high they are. And you say, what does El know? What, what does God know? Can he judge through murkiness? Elphaz is saying, we all know that God lives above the heavens. We know he's way up there, above the stars. Is it? Is this what you're thinking, Job? Is it that he looks down but doesn't see what's going on because there's some dark cloud in the way he can't see past the cloud? That's what he's saying. Is that, is that what you think, Job? You think he's so far away that he doesn't know what you're doing? Is that what you're thinking, Job? Verse 14, these and it says, again, these thick clouds, you think these thick clouds are concealing him so they cannot see? And he walks on the circle of heaven. Do you keep to the ancient path which lawlessness of the, the, the death doom they, they tread, who was cut down before their time? A stream, a flood here is poured out on their foundation. Are you, in other words, are you going down the path of the wicked men of old that were cut off in the flood? What flood? Noah's flood. The flood during Noah's time. Okay, the men were wicked, so God destroyed the earth except for Noah and his family. That's what he's saying. And because they were wicked, they were cut off. You see, this is shortly after the flood um, that was the time of, of Job's generation here. So, are you headed down that path that all those were wiped out, Job? And they said to verse seventeen. They said to they said to El. They said to God, "Withdraw from us. What can the one who suffices, El Shaddai, the Almighty, what can he contrive for them?" And he filled their houses with good, and the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are rejoicing. And the innocent deride at them. Surely the one that rises up against us is suppressed. Fire devours, devours their surplus. Please, verse 21, be careful with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. Job, you want peace? Here's the deal. I'm your friend Eliphaz here. Here's what you need to do. You need to get right with God. And that's true for everybody. Everybody needs to get right with God, right with God. But Job is already in right standing with God. Philosophy based on cause and effect, and that simplistic view of putting God in a box, is not the case with Job. Verse twenty-two: "Just take, please." the law from his mouth and place his sayings in your heart. Great advice, right? Great advice. Follow God's law. Um, now, there was a, no Bible recorded for Job. It was, it was, it's a lot harder for Job than us to just open the Bible and see what God has to say. There was no Bible recorded yet. That would come a little bit later, which we'll get into as we go chronological through the scriptures in the time of Moses. Moses wrote the book of Genesis and the, and the books of the Torah. Um, well, God wrote it and he used Moses to, to, to put it um, to, to the scroll. Now, I'm thankful that God has given us this instruction book, the black and white, that there is no reason for any of us to ever have to question right or wrong. Because we, we, we don't have to go based on our feelings. 
Thank God for that, right? Because our feelings can lie to us. We have it right in the scripture. Despite whatever our culture may think, or even how you might feel, we have it in black and white letters in the Bible. But Job didn't have the scriptures. But here's one thing. What he did have, along with every human that has ever lived, is something that's built into all of us. It's called a conscience. All right? Our conscience often, what it will do, it will let us know, hey, this, something just isn't right or this is right. You see that in little kids, right? As they do something wrong, they haven't been taught on a certain thing yet, and they do something wrong, and they know it's wrong as they sneak, try to sneak to do something. They just know. It's built in. See, God has designed us that way. Verse 23 says, Hey, Job, it's all you have to do. If you return to who suffices, uh, if you turn to, to El Shaddai, if you turn to Almighty here, you will be built. You will put iniquity far from your tents. Job, when are you going to repent? That's what he's saying. When are you going to repent? Verse 24 says, So as to set you, you're on the soil of defense, an ofer in the rock of water courses. And he who suffices, El Shaddai, the Almighty, will be your defense, and silver of one's sainted is for you. Verse 26, For then on the one who suffices, the Almighty, El Shaddai, you will enjoy deliciousness and lift up your face to God. You will entreat to him. He will hear you. And you will pay your vows. You will you'll you'll ever uh, you'll say it will be confirmed for you, and so light will brighten on your ways, for they are abased. And you say, pomp, like pomp and circumstance, pomp, and the the, 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 the prostrate of eyes. He will say, it says, verse thirty. He will deliver one who is innocent, and he will escape in the purity of his hands. So. All of this, Eliphaz is pretty harsh. Pretty harsh response to Job. So we'll come back in the next segment and do chapter 23 and 24. Job chapter 23. So Job's answer to Eliphaz. Job answered and said, Even today, my meditation is rebellion. My hand is heavy because of my sighing. Job is feeling this heaviness upon him. Understandably. Job is he's being very honest about how he feels. Now, if you've ever been through something like this, when you when you've been through the loss of a loved one or or the misery um, of some situation like Job was going through. This kind of bitterness, it's understandable. Literally in the Hebrew, it says meditation of rebellion. Okay. In other words, uh, it's eating away at him due to his lack of understanding. Job doesn't need to answer. He doesn't need the answer to why, though. That's not the biggest thing he needs. He, he wants to understand why, but he really needs his perspective. He needs perspective from the who. And we will see he gets that revelation by the end of the book. That's what we're building to. Verse 3. 
He says, oh, that I knew where I shall find him, that I might come to his establishment. These, uh, these friends or associates, you might call them. It's, it's impossible to get them to understand Job is thinking. They, they just don't get it. But here's what I want to do. These guys aren't going to understand me. I desire to stand before God and listen to the reason why this is all happening. Again, Job's biggest pain was not his loss of material things or children, although the children hurt a lot, or the wealth, or the, even the physical condition he was in. I mean, that was painful. But the biggest pain is he's wondering, where is God? And he's learning, he's having to go by his faith. He needs to trust in the Lord with all his heart and lean not on his own understanding. To acknowledge him in all his ways, right? So his, his path will be directed. He needs to go by faith. And this is a tough moment. But it's faith that will strengthen him. Verse 4. It says, I would arrange before his face judgment and fill my mouth with corrections. So we, we, we talk about it. And I would know the declarations which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the abundance of his vigor, his strength? Notice what Job says. He says in verse 6, would he come against me with, 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 with strength? He says, no. Surely he would place it in me. See, Job still holds on to his knowledge that God is for him. If I get to meet with God, would he come against me with all his vigor, with all his strength? Job rightly says, no. No, and in fact, he would, he would take that vigor and that strength and not come against me, but he would put it in me. He wouldn't crush me like you guys are doing. You friends of mine, you're crushing me with your words. He would know he would take his strength and put it in me. Would strengthen me if I get the meat before God in his court, have my day with him. Verse 7 says, There, the upright man, the man that stands here, does he does correct with him, and I would be delivered permanently from my judge. Behold, I go to the east. East is always the east was always considered the way you're facing, okay? So whatever way you're facing, you're, they, they consider that to east. So behold, I go east. But he is not there. And backward. But I cannot understand him. To the left in his doing. I cannot perceive. He droops to the right and I am not seeing. He looks everywhere. But he cannot find God. And the truth is, what is God? God is spirit. Okay? We, we, we can't. Uh, we don't see him face to face in in the bodies that we have right now. One day we'll see God face to face. But God is spirit. We, we can't see him. We, we can see the effects of God, but we can't see him. Yet, one day we're going to see him face to face. But Job is looking around. Where are you, God? I look, I look all directions. I can't find you. So verse 10, he says, speaking of God, Job says, for, for he knows the way with me. He has tested me. And I love this. 
is testing me, and I shall go forth as gold. So, even though Job is at a really low point, he's down in the valley, right? Even though that's the case, he still holds on to the faith that he has in God. He hasn't lost all hope. Job somehow has this revelation that this thing that I'm going through, it's a test. And indeed it is. And here's the truth. If you, if you have metal, but it's just junk, a rusty old metal, it's not going to be any good. If you have that, you're not going to go through the process of refining it. It's not even worth the time because it's not, a, it's not going to be molded into what you want it to be. The same with Job. Job realizes, if I was junk metal, if I was nothing to God, if God had no use for me, I would not be going through this test. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to go through this because I... I, I if I'm, I'm not nothing, if I'm nothing to God, I'm going to go through this because God desires the best for me. And that's why I'm going through this. And what is God doing? He's refining me. He's only going to refine me if, if there's something there, something there he wants. If he's for me, he's going to refine me into pure gold. That's what's happening. Okay. He hasn't gotten rid of me. Okay. This is a test. I know it is. He has this revelation. I mean, how, how do we handle these kind of matters, what we're going through? And how we handle it is what matters. What is God proving through our lives? What is he proving out in our testing times, through our situations? The world is watching, no doubt. How do we react to the test? How you react really shows who we really are. Are we really who we claim to be, followers of Jesus? Or do we just follow him when things are great? See, God uses us, our trials, for refining. Scripture actually tells us that we are to rejoice in trials. Because God is doing something. And we should give thanks through it for what God is doing. But Job knows he's going to come out of this as gold. He knows that. So shall we. If you're a believer. Anything we go through, and we stay steadfast in service to our Lord, is going to appear before the Bema seat. Okay? It'll, it'll give account for our lives. What have we done in Christ? And it will come out as golden rewards. It will come out pure before the Lord. Look, there is only a kind, a kind of faith that takes place through harder situations. If you never go through anything hard, you're not going to have this kind of faith. Okay, Sometimes it's only going through the fire that we come out with a stronger faith that's refined. If everything was perfect all the time, really, what faith would be needed, right? But what happens when we don't understand why? When we don't understand what's going on, what has to happen? It forces us to stand on what God says. 
Just going by what it says, his promises, right? We got to stand upon his promises. That's all we got. And these trials, by standing on his promises, what does it do? It actually strengthens our faith. And there are times when we might be like Job, where things just don't make sense. And there may be times where we're like, we don't sense God's presence. Even as a believer, we might say, hey, I don't really feel you with me right now. And like Job, we would say, I know what I'm going through is hard, but it, it, it would be a lot easier if I, I, I felt I was with me. Job's like, where are you, God? Okay, I could go through all this stuff a lot easier if I felt you with me. We may have been there before. But the truth is, if you are his, if you are walking in faith, if you were believe in him, with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, you believe on Jesus Christ. If you are saved, God has not left you. He's right there. And he's, he's still giving you strength without you knowing it. And what's happening is by you not sensing him in that moment, it gives you an opportunity to walk by faith. See, we can't go through life by feelings. Many do. That's half the problem in this world. We can't go through life by going by some kind of experience either. I mean, there are people that will tell you based on experience, oh, I tried this Jesus thing. It didn't work out for me. It didn't work for me. Jesus isn't something you try. And going through life based on feeling or some kind of experience you had, if that's the way we make decisions in life, it's going to leave you feeling empty and constantly disappointed. Those that rely on feeling some kind of experience and, 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 and trying to find uh, be churchgoers, they often hop from church to church, one church to another. Even if, I mean, if they go to church even at all, right? Trying to find that one that's going to make me feel good, right? Because you're looking for an experience, one that's going to build up my self-esteem. The Bible speaks nothing of building up our self-esteem. It's not what it's about. If you're going to church so you, so you start feeling good and you're looking for the right one, you're looking for an experience. We can't do things based on feeling or experience. Our faith can't be built upon feeling or experience. It must be built upon reality. And reality is without faith, it is impossible to please God. And as a believer, we must understand, hey, God is with us. Whether I feel him or not, he is with me. Why? Because his word says so. And I got to go by faith and trust the promises, what he has said to be true, because he's proven himself over and over again. And maybe I don't sense them right now. Maybe I don't understand this experience, but I got to go by what I know. And his promises are real. I will trust in them. So we need to keep getting to the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Drown yourself in the word of God. The Christian walk is totally a walk of faith. That's what it is. The scripture is very clear. Don't think it's a strange thing that we go through fiery trials. These things are going to happen. And we should have the mindset like in Habakkuk, where he talks about, hey, there may be no fruit on the vine. Okay. No sheep in the stalls. The labor of the olive may fail. All these things may be taken away from me. But 
I will still trust in the Lord. I'm still going to trust in him at his faith. The word of God makes it clear that if you are his, he will never leave you nor forsake you. So we must lean on our, not on our own understanding, right? But instead, we need to exercise and increase our faith. Work it out in the midst of whatever circumstance God has given us. Job here has this moment of revelation. It's pretty amazing. He says, for he has known the way with me, has tested me, and I shall go forth as gold. Verse 11 says, my foot has held to his progress. I've kept his way and not turned aside. I've not removed the instruction of his, his lips from my bosom. I seclude the sayings of his mouth. But he is the one who could turn him back. And whose soul has desired, and he does it. God, I'm, I know that you're refining me, says. But you're sovereign. I mean, you don't have to refine me if you don't want to. I, I mean, I can't make you do anything, God. If you don't want to refine me, you don't want to vindicate me, you don't have to. You are God. I mean, who can turn you back? No one. I mean, if God, you want to do something, no one can stop you from doing it. That's what he's saying here. This is verse 14. For, for he does accomplish my statue, and many such things are with him. Therefore, I am flustered before him. I consider, and I'm afraid of him. For El, for God made my heart tender. The one who suffices, the Almighty, the El Shaddai here, flusters me. For I have not been a face from the face of darkness, and neither has he covered the gloom before my face. So chapter 24 continues. For what reason are times not secluded from the one of suffices, so from the Almighty, from El Shaddai? And why do those who know him see not his days? Uh, that's very difficult in the uh, phrasing of the Hebrew language. Sound a little bit like broken English there, as you probably heard. It's a tough verse in the original translation. And when you go through the translation from Hebrew, Job actually is the hardest book to translate in the whole Bible. Why? Because it's the oldest. It's the most ancient. I've been um, actually doing translation from Hebrew to Genesis uh, in my morning devotions recently. Much easier, much easier to do the translation than with Job. So some of this language is kind of tough, but the basic idea here seems to be, if you if you put it with the context of this chapter, it's dealing with all the ways of the wicked. Okay, but what this is saying is there are those that don't know you, God, but don't you see there's there's not an end to their days; they keep going. They don't know you, but look, look, they just keep going on with life. It's, it's kind of the idea back to the wicked prospering, kind of same stuff we've been talking about. So let's go through this. Uh, this will be a little quicker here because we talked about a lot of this stuff. He says, speaking of the wicked, it says, verse 2, they overtake the landmarks, the boundaries. They're moving at the boundary stones. They pillage droves and they graze. They lead away the donkeys of the orphans. They take the widow's bowl as a pledge. They turn aside the needy from the way. All the humbled ones, the poor of the land, are forced to hide. Behold, wild donkeys in the wilderness, they go forth in the contrivance. 
searching for prey. The wilderness gorges bread for them and for the use. They gather their chopped straw in the field and glean in the vineyard of the wicked. They lodge naked without clothing and have no covering in the cold. They are wet with the storm of the mountain, huddle around the rock for want of refuge. They snatch the orphan from the breast and take a pledge from the humble. So it's, it's saying uh, the wicked here, they're going to take away the kid as a pledge. Okay, You owe him money, you owe him something, they're just going to take your kid. Okay, and they'll steal him and bring him up as their own kid or make him their slave. And they'll take it as a pledge to pay off the debt. This is what the wicked will do. Verse 10, it says they they go about naked without clothing. They carry the sheaves and are hungry ones. They clarify oil between the barricades and tread wine bats. And they thirst. Um, you see, Job understands that there are people that do these kind of things. He, he understands the wickedness and that it happens. Um, but it's not him. None of this is him. Job talks about the, 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 the powerful wicked while the poor suffer. Right? The wicked in power while the poor suffer. I mean, even the poor, speaking here, the poor, what are the poor out there doing? The poor is out there bringing in this huge harvest, right, for the powerful wicked while the same time they're starving. They're bringing in the harvest while they're starving in the, for the poor, for, for those in charge. I mean, capitalism, capitalism is a great thing. I actually believe it's the greatest system you can have on this planet outside of the return of Jesus. But economic Babylon, commercial Babylon, um, this greed, God is not a fan of it. I mean, if you're getting richer as an employer, but your employees are struggling to make ends meet, something is wrong. And I'm thankful for the many businesses owners there are out there that, that, that do things the biblical way. And there, there have been business owners that I know for sure during this pandemic, um, if you want to call it a pandemic, uh, during this time where they shut, uh, the government has shut things down, there have been business owners that have gone out of their way to pay their employees while taking either little pay or no pay for themselves, taking care of their employees first to make sure they have a job. That is wonderful. That's an honorable person, someone God would be pleased with. And Job's saying, I understand these type of people. I understand this takes place. The wicked get richer and the poor are out there doing their bidding, but yet they're starving. I understand this, Job says. It says, verse 12, the death doomed moan in the city, the souls of the wounded cry out. And he says, Eloah, it says, God does not place in propriety. Job is saying all these things about the wicked, and then says, yet God doesn't charge them with it all. He doesn't do anything about it. God doesn't place in propriety. Job says, I'm not seeing it. Job understands that wicked people are out there, but often the wicked prosper. We've, we've talked about this for weeks. You know, God set up a deterrent for that, for wickedness on this earth. God indeed set up this thing on earth called government. That's a God thing. And government's duty is actually to take care of the justice of what's right and what's wrong. The problem is, though, those in government are sinful. And greed 
And those that have no fear of God have led us to a nation that makes laws against God's will. And this will continue, by the way. I don't think that's going to get any better. I mean, and people need heart change for that to get better. I pray for that. But really, what we are waiting for is a new form of government. When's that going to happen? When Jesus comes back, he's going to set up his kingdom. And it says the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be in charge. Look, uh, we, of course, know God will judge in truth in the end, okay? Job's understanding here, they seem to get do all these things. The wickedness happens, and it, you don't do anything about it, God. They will get what they deserve in the end. God is slow to anger, and everything's in his timing. But in times for, or, 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 for reasons we don't always understand, those that practice witnesses, wickedness often do seem to prosper. That's his point. All right, let's finish up this chapter. So these, verse 13, are those who revolt against the light. And the wicked have nothing to do with the light, but yet you do nothing, God. So they do not recognize his ways nor dwell in his tracks. Verse 14, the murderer rises with the light. He dispatches the humble and needy. And in the night, he's like a thief. The eye of the adulterer observes the gloaming. Twilight here saying, no eye will regard me. He places the face in concealment. In the dark, they burrow into houses. Houses were made out of uh, mud and clay so they could, they could dig into the house. That's how you, the burglar would come in. In the dark, they would burrow into houses which they marked themselves in the daytime. They do not know the light, for the morning is the same to them as the shadow of death, when he is identifying the, the decadence of the shadow of death. They are fleet on the surface of the water. Their portion shall be cursed in the land. They shall not face the way of the vineyards. As aridity and warmth snatch the snow waters, so does the unseen, the grave here, those who have sinned. The womb. I should forget him. Notice this. It's this poetic here, but but it's making a point. It says the maggot finds him sweet. This tastes good to the maggot. He should be remembered no more. And iniquity should be broken like a tree. For he grazes. He makes fun of the barren. Those that can't have kids. Is it who does not give birth and does not does no good for the widow. And he draws forth the sturdy ones with his vigor, his strength. He rises up but doesn't place faith in life. He gives them trust. In other words, some kind of safety, they're feeling, and they lean on it. But it's all, all fake here. It says, and his eyes are on their ways. They're exalted a little, then they're gone. They're reduced. They're shut up like all others. They're snipped off like the heads of spike, grain here, the corn heads, the spikes of it. It says in verse 25, now if it is not so, who will prove me a liar? And place my declaration as nothing. Job says, isn't this the case of the wicked, all these things I've said? If not, prove me wrong. Go ahead, prove me wrong. Job is talking about all these things going on, but the, but the cry is really, where's God in all of this? Where is he? And again, like I said, God will judge, but it's all based on his timing. He still judges nations today. We've seen it. He still judges people on the earth in his time also. But the ultimate judgment is yet to come. There is a day of judgment coming for all. Believers and unbelievers. Believers, 
Believers will be judged for their um, um, uh, unbelievers will be judged for their sin, and they'll be sentenced to the lake of fire, okay, for eternity. And the Bible speaks of that as being a place where there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. There will be everlasting destruction, where the fire is not quenched and the worm does not die. For believers, though, we also will be judged. Not for sin. That was already judged for us on the cross of Jesus, paid in full. We, we will be judged for rewards at the bema seat of Christ. And what we did on this earth will pass through the fire. Like, like Job says, he says, I shall come forth as gold. Some, some of the things we did done will come forth as gold. Other will be silver. And the stuff we did that really didn't matter. I'm not talking sin, but really didn't matter. was not uh, the will of God. was not unto Jesus. It will just go out as stubble. Now, Job says, when my testing is over, I am going to come out as gold. Anything that we have done in the name of Jesus and obedient service to him will come out as gold in the judgment. That's what's going to happen. Now, I thank you guys for joining us. I, I but, but I'm going to close on this. I hope anyone that is listening wants a golden future. It's either a bright future or you'll burn out forever. Your choice. A simple call upon the name of Jesus, choosing to repent and turn away from your sins. By turning to God, and he'll, he'll help you with that, by the way. And if you believe on Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, if you genuinely believe and choose to follow him, you shall be saved. That's the deal. I hope you make that choice today. Next week, we'll see what uh, Bildad has to respond to this. And you might and you might say, go if you followed along with this, some of this you might say, hey, this is getting a little old. It's back and forth. When are we going to get to the next section? All right. Some of it seems kind of exhausting. But that's actually the point of this book. God is not going to intervene here until everything else is exhausted. Okay. You guys are trying to figure this out by human means. Okay. Once you tried all that stuff, all everything you can do by human wisdom to fix the situation, when nothing else works, then God shows up. And that's what God's looking for, for us to surrender to him. God wants to show up. We want to try other things. We have free will. We'll say, okay, see how that works out for you. When you're ready, come to me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. We'll see you guys all next week on the Steadfast Podcast. Amazing one, Jesus Christ, God's own soul, take me higher, lift me up, precious Lord, fill my cup, don't wanna lie.